everyone, welcome to another episode of What is a Podcast, coming to you on Memorial Day. This will probably be posted the day after Memorial Day, but we're recording it on Memorial Day. You know, it's a weird Memorial Day that we're having this year, because normally on Memorial Day, you know, you're at someone's house or you're, you know, outside, you know, eating someone's food or you're on the grill, you're at a baseball game watching baseball, something like that. And we don't really have that this Memorial Day. So really all we have is like the internet and like Netflix and stuff like that to to go after. I guess if you're, you know, at home, you can grill by yourself and sort of eat your own grilled food and, and chill that way. But there's not that sort of community gathering that we're used to on a Memorial Day, like the beach or the park or anything like that. And I know like places are opening up even california like our governor gavin newsom like he's a little bit flipping his script his script sorry and that's probably because the money is fucked up and we need money everyone needs money we live in this capitalist hell that means that we need all this money and people need to work in certain ways so he's switching up his tone saying like sports might be coming back soon blah 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 but everywhere that sort of opened up a little bit right they said yo you can open these places or states loosening their measures all that stuff from what i've seen on the internet every place that's done that has seen an increase in cases right an increase in the coronavirus cases and maybe they can handle it maybe they decided that There's less cases now, so if we do get an increase of cases, we can handle it. We have the hospitalization, all that stuff, right? But we're missing out on one crucial flaw. That means I have to still risk getting the virus. My concern is not that there's going to be a hospital bed for me. I don't want to get that shit at all. Like, if I get it and I have a hospital bed, like, cool, there's space for me and I can get treatment. But I don't want to get this shit at all. I don't want to be hospitalized at all. So I am not even going to risk it, right? You're opening up the state, the city, the country, whatever it is. You can you can go outside. You You can do that if you want. I'm not your dad. I can't tell you what to do. But I am not. I'm still keeping it the same because if I get hospitalized like I don't know what's going to happen right yes we might have space for me but the space is one thing like I have to still deal with that disease and process that whole thing through through my body and I am cool on that you can miss me with all that stuff um so yeah in other words we had Memorial Day with the internet is basically what I'm trying to say um but that's not really what I wanted to talk about I just it just happens to be Memorial Day. But interesting things happening in the world, particularly with celebrities. I'll get to the celebrities a little bit later. But some interesting Twitter news, some technology news. So Twitter is rolling out a feature where you can limit the replies on your tweet. So you can say tweet whatever you want and then you can set it to that nobody can reply or you can set it to everyone can reply or set it to only a select amount of people can reply. And on its face, I think this is an okay. Like at face value, that seems okay. Twitter has this newer feature. I say newer because it's been around for a while now where you can hide replies. But hiding replies to me didn't solve any type of real problem. Nothing really serious. Because the hidden replies were still visible. You just had to click an extra button. And you can't hide quote tweets. So if someone quotes your tweet, that comment that you might not want out there is still out there and there's nothing you can do about it. So I never thought that hide replies was particularly useful for like stopping any type of harassment or stopping anything negative that you don't want on your feed. Plus, in order to hide something, you have to see it in the first place, right? So eliminating an option to reply if that's what you choose to do. Again, you don't have to do this. And not everyone has this feature yet. But by eliminating chances to reply, right, the quote tweet, that's still an issue. But hiding replies, I think, is less useful than just eliminating replies altogether if that's what you want to do. 
But what I was thinking, I was thinking, how can this be sort of abuse, right? And I think Twitter has to take these in mind when they're rolling out their new services, when they're testing out their new advancements. If someone posts like deliberately misleading information or incorrect information, right? Information that could be harmful if in the wrong hands or information that's harmful just because it's wrong and people believe the wrong thing and they have the wrong idea, right? You can spread harmful information, lock your replies, and then no one can really have a confident rebuttal directly under your tweet. Again, quote tweets still exist here. We're not eliminating the quote tweet. But in a lot of cases, like oh, people don't see the quote tweet nearly as much as the original tweet. So it is possible that you can spread incorrect, harmful, offensive tweets and no one under your tweet can really fight back it has to be through the quote tweets or through screenshots or anything like that and you never know what's going to be more visible than the other thing right so that's my concern with that i don't have this feature yet but i've seen it in action a lot of like verified accounts got it first and then like a smattering of smaller accounts or like regular people i don't have that yet i know when twitter increased the limit from what was it was it 140 characters to 220 is that what it is or is it 200? I don't know. But I was like, I swear I was the last fucking person to get my Twitter limit increased to like the 220 whatever. So if I had to bet, I would say that Twitter has me on their you don't get new features list. And they're going to say you can get the feature after every other user on the planet gets the feature. Then We'll let your dumbass have the feature. That's what it seems like to me. And I'm okay with it. I don't really hide tweets. I don't think I've ever hidden a reply to a tweet. So I don't know if I would lock replies altogether. But some people want to do that. And you can also limit the replies. You can limit it to who you mentioned in the tweet. And then you can sort of curate a discussion or like have sort of like a real-time debate. Say, hey... I challenge you to a, rep- a debate. Only you can respond to this tweet. Let's go. Reply to me now and we'll we'll get it cracking, right? I can see that happening. And then you have like a long debate or a discussion or whatever it is. Game even. Mm, I'm yawning a little bit. Sorry about that. But a game even. And then that could be fun, interesting, exciting, something of that nature. I can see that happening for sure. But... I do feel like the feature could be abused in just like the harmful, negative information spreading way. But I don't think it'll be a too big of a deal because it is something you have to manually do. So if you manually lock your tweet and then say something purposely misleading, then you're just being nefarious in the first place, right? So that, and I don't think many people are truly nefarious in that way where they really want to spread lies about other people some people might i don't know but it might be the case and i don't know since i have the feature i don't have the feature since i don't have the feature i don't know if you can change this setting after the tweet has been sent like say i want to reply to everyone and then afterwards you're like you know what bad idea let me lock this tweet i wonder how many people, excuse me, sorry about that. I wonder how many people would go for that. And if you lock a tweet after it's been sent, does the tweet that already has the replies, do those replies stay or do all those replies automatically become hidden? I don't know the answer to that. I don't have the feature yet, but I would think I would rather it be like sort of adjustable and have you know, the option to change my settings later. Like, because you can lock your whole account and then unlock it later. If you're going to lock an individual tweet, I think you should have the option to unlock it later, allow replies, whatever it is. And I think that can minimize, you know, any problems that are associated with this new feature. But it seems interesting. It seems something that could be played with, could be used, could be manipulated, But something interesting, Twitter is a social network that I use 
the most. So I'm always interested in like what type of shit that they're tra- changing or what's going on on Twitter, the trends on Twitter. Like Twitter was the first social network that really hopped on trending things being a part of the website, at least to my knowledge. Like Twitter made hashtags what they are. Yes, other places use hashtags, but Twitter really put hashtags into our you know, mainstream mindset to where we're thinking about hashtags all the time. And I don't think we think about hashtags as much now as we did, like, say, three, four, five years ago. But hashtags are still relevant. Trends are more relevant than ever. We have Twitter moments and all that stuff. We have TikTok, which is an app directly focused on trends. And if you're not following the trends, good luck. Um, but so trends that started with Twitter, at least Twitter made it big, right? And whatever Twitter does, sometimes people follow or people don't like all that stuff. So interesting to see how that goes. But also really quick, a science thing. Apparently it's been discovered that there is a parallel universe where time runs the opposite way to how we see time. Now, This is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, I wonder how life is over there. Are there humans? Are people happy? Is there a virus? All that stuff. I wonder what the people are like. Who's president in the parallel universe? Because right now we have Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is a ridiculous president. Like, even if you support Donald Trump, you have to admit that Trump is a guy who came from reality TV, who has bankruptcies and all that. That guy's president. The guy from The Apprentice. That guy's president. So to have him be president is kind of ridiculous. Even if you support him, even if you rock with him, you have to admit, it's a ridiculous idea that that guy became president out of like all the actual politicians. So I wonder who would be president of the United States in the alternate universe. It could be someone we know. Could be like a Bernie, a Hillary a Marco Rubio, a Ted Cruz, a Bobby Jindal. I don't know if you even remember Bobby Jindal, but if you don't, Google Bobby Jindal. Um, he was, a, he was a, a wild ride a few years ago politically. But it could be someone like that, or it could be someone completely new, someone that no one in this universe has heard of, right? And then, what the fuck does time moving the opposite way mean, right? Because if time moving the opposite way in my mind, right, if we're moving forward, progressing forward, if they're saying time is moving the opposite way, that means we're actively going to a more primitive world, right? Like eventually we'll be hanging out with the dinosaurs because we're just going the opposite way, right? And that I don't think makes any sense, right? If you have the technology, why consistently downgrade? And it also, like, and maybe you don't know this, the language you speak has a bearing on how you see time a lot of times. Like, there's a language called Aymara, and it's um, an indigenous language in, like, the Peru area, Bolivia, Chile area. And in that language, we they don't see the future as moving forward, okay? Now, bear with me. In English, we see the future as moving forward. We say, I'm moving forward from my life, or I'm moving on, or I'm looking ahead to the future, right? We see the future, we visualize it as in front of us moving forward. Now, in Aymara, the future is backwards, right? If they're, When they're talking about the future, they're going to be talking about it as if it's behind them. Now, that might not make sense to you, but I'm going to break it down a little bit. In Aymara, right... You cannot see the future. And technically in English, we can't see the future either, right? We don't know for sure what the future holds. We can't predict the future. It's not that so raven, right? But because you cannot see the future, you don't know what the future holds, it has to be behind you. Because if it's behind you, that means you can't see it. Everything in front of you, you can see. So the past is what's in front of you. And the future is what's behind you, right? So if you tell someone in Aymara that time is running the opposite way, they'll have a different idea of it than someone who speaks English, right? But I do wonder, like, a parallel universe, can we go? Like, how far are we actually from going and visiting 
the parallel universe. Because Rick and Morty can do it. Rick and Morty have advanced technology and all that stuff, but Rick and Morty can do it. So how far are we from the Rick Sanchez of the real world, right? If that's even possible at all, right? I want to know how far away we are. Because what's the point of knowing that there's an alternate universe if we can't do anything about it, right? If we can't do anything about the alternate universe, then why even tell us, right? What, what can we learn from that? I feel like there has to be something that we can do, some place that we can visit or like look in just to see like how those other people are doing. And if there is an alternate universe, do they know about this universe, right? Those people in the alternate universe that are, or I should say parallel universe. I think that's the actual term that they use was parallel universe. But those people, have they figured out that we exist, right? Because if we just figured out now in 2020 that the, the parallel universe is out there, how, how far have they gotten in this? Those other people, do they know we exist? Do podcasts exist? Does anything exist over there? Is it just a big black blob of nothing we don't know like they gave us like just a little taste of science fiction and then they just like edged us off with just parallel universe they did the same thing with aliens a few weeks ago they said yo ufos exist that's all we're gonna tell you like bro have you seen an alien <laughs> do you know about the aliens area 51 is there aliens you know we the people want to know about all these things and the scientific government community is just giving us little chunklets, little nibbles of science fiction and then not giving us the whole thing. And it's a little frustrating, honestly. I feel like if it was a regular person, I would just be like, yo, aliens is real. We have an alternate universe. Rick and Morty is real, too. We can go there maybe soon. All that stuff, right? I would rather have that than just some half information, just... Parallel universe, that's it, that's a tweet, send, and that's it. But that's what we get. We get that little headline of, of science fiction and then nothing more. But we'll see. We'll see if we follow up on that or if we forget in three weeks. Um, because basically all that's really being talked about is the Rona, as they say. And the Rona, rightfully so, is taking over all of our minds, right? Because it's almost June... And this has been a problem since like March and people are not happy about it. But what what can you do? I can't do anything. All I can do is stay inside as much as possible, not get sick, not spread the disease to anyone and do my best. Right. OK. Now, what I want to talk about now, there is some celebrity drama that is going on and i want to start off with call her daddy right i don't know if everyone considers the call her daddy people a celebrity but they definitely have a level of fame if you don't know call her daddy call her daddy was or is a podcast ran by barstool sports now call her daddy is not about sports it's about two girls that were making their way through life and all their advice, you know, sexual or otherwise that um, that they give. And I say sexual or otherwise because I've listened to it and it's very sexual. But there is a little bit of otherwise in there as well. Right. And it was ran by Barstool Sports. And I have a love hate relationship with Barstool Sports that leans more towards hate. Right. So I think that some things that Barstool puts out is good content. Right. I think there are like some Barstool things I think, oh, that was cool. And it came from Barstool. Like, okay, I don't really like Barstool, but it was cool. Most of the stuff that comes from Barstool is a sort of like frat boy sports coverage that I don't really mess with. I don't really like. So most of Barstool sports, I, I'm just over it. And then there's like 5% of Barstool Sports that is good, but that's not enough to make me like Barstool Sports, right? You, you produce some good content sometimes, but overall, you suck, right? And the, the founder of Barstool Sports, Dave Portnoy, I think that dude's an asshole, right? I haven't seen anything from Dave Portnoy to suggest that he is not an asshole. Now, lots of people like him because he's an asshole, 
okay? The asshole thing works for him with his core fan base. But I think he's an asshole, and I am not going to entertain the assholery, right, of Dave Portnoy, right? So I don't frequent Barstool Sports. All the good content, the quote-unquote good content that I see comes from the internet, right? It comes from people retweeting it onto my timeline. That's when I see good Barstool Sports. But as far as the website goes, as far as Dave Portnoy goes, no, not for me. Not my cup of tea. Don't like the cut of Dave Portnoy's jib. I really don't, right? Now, Call Her Daddy was two girls. Their names were Alexandra and Sophia. And apparently they were making a good amount of money doing this podcast, right? They were making like $500,000 each, or they were set to make $500,000 each on this podcast. Now, most podcasters, from what I gather, make a tiny, tiny fraction of that, right? Just like a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of that purely from podcasting, right? Podcasting, in a lot of ways, is like a free entertainment. Like a lot of people do it for free or they do it for small amounts of money here or there or they do it for like a little bit of extra money on the side, like it supplements their other career goals. But a lot of it is you know, free for all parties. Like it's free for the person to make and it's free for the person to consume. And I guess not free for to make is not the right word because you have to host it. Sometimes that costs money. You know, equipment costs money if you buy like a microphone or like rent out a studio, all that stuff. But what I'm trying to say is that making podcasts is oftentimes not a profitable endeavor, right? Like this podcast does not make me richer, right? I like doing it and it's fun. And I think that most of these episodes are pretty good, right? But this isn't what's paying for, you know, my Netflix account. You know what I mean? So all that, what I'm saying is that making $500,000 is a lot of money, but Call Her Daddy was also like the biggest podcast in the podcast app in the apple podcast app right and i've listened to call her daddy a few times right and i listened to maybe like five episodes and this was like late 2019 early 2020 this year right i listened to like five maybe six episodes of it and i thought that you know i wasn't gonna like it at first but it was actually no it was pretty entertaining right there's entertaining points of it you know the hosts, Alexandra and Sophia, they were funny. It took me a while to get to like their personalities and feel like uh, I understood what they were going with because there's a lot of, you know, inside jokes, right? And a lot of times with shows like that, you get inside jokes that come along with it just because that's the nature of building a community. You get inside jokes, you get cute nicknames, you get the whole shebang when you have, you know your own community of fans, of followers, of creators, all that stuff, right? So it took me a while to get into that, to dig dig deep into that. But then I found it pretty entertaining. Now, the advice that they give, I didn't think all of their advice was good. But I'm not here to get life advice from my podcast, right? I don't listen to self-help podcasts. I don't say, I don't sit here and think, oh, I need to make myself a better person, So I'm going to listen to podcasts. No, I would say that the podcast might make me smarter or might make me see the world in a different way. But I don't go to my podcast looking to adamantly or directly, you know, brighten my day or make myself better or take the advice and, you know, grab the bull by the horns. I don't do that. I just listen to podcasts that chill, relax, be entertained, all that stuff. But hey, if you're into getting life advice from your podcast, I'm not I'm not shitting on you. I'm just saying that's not what my game plan is whenever I look for podcasts, right? Whenever I'm listening to podcasts, I'm not in for the like this is gonna better my life. But with that being said, I didn't think all the advice and all the things that they gave was good advice, right? But that doesn't matter. It was entertaining. I can see why it's popular, right? I understand the popular, I understand how they rose to success so quickly, all that stuff, right? Now, Call Her Daddy 
broke up. And the two hosts, I guess, are not friends anymore or anything like that. And apparently they hadn't been posting podcasts for like a month straight. And people were worried. Dave Portnoy, the asshole, was worried. All that stuff, right? And people were sort of speculating about what happened. Are they friends? Do they get along? All that stuff. And people didn't have the full story. And I think they do now. And I took it upon myself to listen to a Call Her Daddy episode with Dave Portnoy just sort of explaining his side of the story. Since he owns the podcast, technically, he can just post anything he wants on the feed as well. And Dave Portnoy sort of explained that, you know, Call Her Daddy is not going to be a do anymore. It's going to be just Alexandra, to my knowledge. Sophia is out. This is why Sophia, you know, was trying to fuck us over. They were both trying to fuck us over. But Alexandra is no longer trying to fuck Barstool Sports over. We gave them a new contract. We gave them this amount of money, like $500,000. They gave, We gave them a sweet deal, Barstool Sports did. And that's what it is. Sophia's out. Alexandra is in. We're going to move on as just a single entity. And I was like, okay, Dave Portnoy, kind of an asshole. And he made some asshole comments into it. Like, Alexandra, I guess, is blonde. I don't know exactly what the Call Her Daddy girls look like. Um, but Alexandra, or that's a lie. I know what Alexandra looks like now. Um, but I didn't at the time, right? So when I look at the Barstool Sports, the Alexandra person, because I saw a video of her, then I put two and two together. But when Dave Portner was talking about Alexandra, he's like, okay, at first I thought she was a blonde bimbo, but then I realized that she's smart. Like, what? Like, the sexism that drips from Barstool Sports, like, that's what what comes from it, and I don't, I don't fuck with that, right? So, he talks about that, and then I see a YouTube video from Alexandra, right, talking about the whole thing. I watch a 30-minute YouTube video plus a 30-minute podcast, an hour of my life, to a podcast I listened to for a couple of weeks one time, right? I don't even listen to that shit anymore, and I'm probably not going to listen to it after. Again, no shade. I see why they're popular. I just, I have too many podcasts, too little time, you know? And ultimately... The takeaway I get from it is that Sophia, who is like the partner in crime, um, in case you forgot, Sophia is the one who gets fucked over in the long run, right? Because Call Her Daddy is now Alexandra only, and who knows what the format is going to be of this, because when I listened to Call Her Daddy, it was the two girls and that's it. They didn't really have guests or anything like that, so I wonder how a solo podcast is going to go. Is Alexandra going to have you know, guests on? Is she going to go solo? Is she just going to talk shit about Sophia? Who knows? And maybe I'll I'll have to take a listen. Now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I'll have to take a listen to Alexandra Solo just because I'm so invested in it now. But basically, Sophia seems to have fumbled the bag. And there's lots of lawyers involved that you can, if you want to listen to it, you can see how all the lawyers are involved. And apparently, Sophia's boyfriend is involved. And when I looked on Twitter, so I guess I spent more than an hour of my life. I spent an hour of my life listening, but then I spent time on Twitter. And people were calling her boyfriend ugly. They were saying, Sophia, let her boyfriend ruin, call her daddy, all that stuff, right? She fumbled the bag because now she's not a part of it. And she's not getting those 500,000 smackaroonies a year at this point, right? And... As much as I don't like Barstool Sports, and maybe they thought that their contract was bad because this whole dispute was sort of like structured around renegotiating contracts. Like they weren't happy with their current contract and they thought that they could get more bang for their buck. And eventually they restructured it to what seems from both sides, from Alexandra's side, from Dave Portnoy's side. I don't know what Sophia's side is. I guess Sophia's side might be a little different. But based on the accounts... It seems like it was a good deal, right? You get $500,000 and Alexandra, I guess, gets the intellectual property after their contract runs up. And the intellectual property is a huge deal because then you can, you know, shop your brand to other things. Right now, Barstool Sports, I guess, owns Call Her Daddy intellectual property. So when Call Her Daddy ends, if Barstool Sports still own that IP, then 
there would have to be some different type of podcast. It wouldn't be able to be called Call Her Daddy anymore. They'd have to start a new brand from scratch. And who knows if they can catch lightning in a bottle again, right? So getting that intellectual property plus $500,000 seems like a huge boon for the Call Her Daddy squad, which I guess is a squad of one at this point. Because Alexandra was saying, like, she edited the podcast. She was the one who, like, spearheaded even getting the podcast, all that stuff. She also said that it was edited unlike any other podcast. I don't know how true that is based on what I listen to. Maybe there's stuff behind the scenes that I just don't understand or didn't pay attention to or didn't catch. But if she's editing the podcast, she's a host of the podcast, all that stuff then you deserve, you know, a fair amount of money, especially if it's one of the most popular podcasts in the world, right? Literally in the world. So I give them that. Sophia seems to have fumbled the bag on that. And now you wonder what Sophia is going to do at this point. Because I would not say that Sophia was just riding Alexandra's coattails, at least from what I've seen. Like, at least as hosts, they seem to be 50-50, right? They seem to from like the five, six episodes I listened to, they seem to be carrying equal weight, right? And if Alexandra is going to be taking 100% of that, Sophia, I think, could easily parlay her call her daddy experience into a new, if it's not a posting or sorry, podcasting gig, she could do something else. I'm sure she's already big on social media. I'm sure she could do something else. But the call her daddy fans, the, the daddies, I guess, they seem to be pissed at Sophia. They seem to have cut Sophia off completely. So I don't know what her existing fan base is, right? But I'm sure some company would give her some money to host her own podcast or do her own thing, right? But again, I don't know how many podcasts are just going to be talking shit about current or former Call Her Daddy members, right? Could you even bring on another Call Her Daddy host, like a permanent co-host, like Alexandra and then someone new, who knows what the podcast is going to be? Who knows what the restructuring is going to be? By the time you hear this, it might already be restructured. And I might sound like a dumbass. But it seems that, you know, it's, someone fumbled the bag super hard, right? And that happens when you get greedy. Like, I play a lot of competitive Pokemon. I realize that's not relatable to a lot of people. But when you play competitive Pokemon, there's a concept of, like, setting up. Like, you boost up your Pokemon to make it more powerful, whether that's offensively or defensively, you boost up your Pokemon, use moves to make it more powerful. And you can boost one time, or you can go to the second level, to the third level, to the fourth, depending on what move it is, right? But if you waste your time setting up, your opponent has free turns to attack you and do damage, right? And it seems like Sophia was spending her time boosting up. They were trying to renegotiate, get more money, you know, boosting up, boosting up. And then Dave Portnoy landed a critical hit on Sophia. And then Alexandra landed another critical hit on Sophia, super effective. And now super Sophia has to return to the Pokeball, find something new. Otherwise, she's just going to be, you know, vanished completely. She's going to be out of the game completely. And it sucks for Sophia. Like, I don't know exactly what Sophia's motivation is. I haven't seen anything from Sophia personally, right? I saw a video from Alexandra. saw a podcast from Dave Portnoy, the asshole. And Sophia, who I, I want to assume is not an asshole, like Alexandra and Sophia, you know, I don't think their advice is always good, but I don't think that they're bad people. I think that Dave Portnoy teeters on bad person. But Alexandra and Sophia, I don't think they're bad people. Even now, I don't think Sophia is a bad person. A lot of the blame is being put on the boyfriend. He might be a bad person, but again, I don't know much about the boyfriend other than he was trying to parlay Call Her Daddy into like a multi-million dollar independent company, and that clearly didn't work out, at least not now, right? And I don't blame them for like trying to maximize your money, but you didn't do it right. You got too greedy too quickly and you try to manipulate someone who is not down for manipulation right dave portnoy for all the assholery that dave portnoy is i don't think that he's for the bullshit right i think that he can sense if you're trying to fuck him over i think he can sense if you're trying to to bullshit him and he's going to cut that off right away right i don't think he has any time for any nonsense especially if you run a company like barstool sports which again 
I hate far more than I love, but you have to recognize Barstool Sports makes a lot of money. Barstool Sports is a major media company at this point, especially in sports media, right? There's ESPN is like top dog still. There's like The Ringer. And then there's Barstool Sports, right? And Barstool Sports is a legitimate threat that you have to that you have to take into account when you're talking about these things. So I would never discredit like the actual success of Barstool Sports in this case. And I don't think that Dave Portnoy having built this empire, at least a lot of it on his own. I don't know the whole story here, but he I don't think he has time for the bullshit. Like people who who are that type of personality that can get to the top rather quickly because Barstool Sports is not that old in the grand scheme of things. So anyone like that is usually not here to fuck around. And I think Sophia tried to fuck around and her boyfriend trying to fuck around with him too much, not knowing that you can't bullshit someone who has zero tolerance for bullshit. And that's just a life lesson. I don't know how old Sophia is. I don't know if she's learned this life lesson before, but that's just a life lesson. You have to learn who can tolerate bullshit, who can tolerate your waffling about, and who really can't. And Dave Portnoy, if I ever met him in real life, I know he really can't. I mean, again, I don't like the dude, but I know that if I was trying to bullshit him, he would, he would, you know, be, he wouldn't want me to beat around the bush, basically. Like, I would go up to Dave Portnoy and I would have to say, hey, dude, I think you're a huge, massive dick, right? I'd have to say something like that because if I try to pretend to like him, he's going to sense that fakeness from a mile away. So I have to run up to Dave Portnoy and be like, hey, shake hands. I think you're an asshole. I don't really fuck with you and what you do. And I think that you're kind of sexist and weird. I don't fuck with that. And I think he might respect me more for that than if I pretended to like him and if I tried to be cordial. I realize in doing this, I'm probably severing any connection I have to Barstool Sports in the future. But um, I am not famous. So I don't think that's a huge problem. And if it comes to where I'm a huge personality and Barstool Sports doesn't want to work with me, then you know what? I'm a I'm a haul at the ringer. Hey ESPN. Hey any other independent sports companies. If you want me to be on your shit, Fox Sports, holler at me. I'll I'll go with them. It'll be fine. I think I'll be okay. Um, but anyway, more celebrity controversies. Lana Del Rey. I think this won't be too long because Lana Del Rey. I like some of the Lana De- Del Rey songs. You know what I mean? But. Lana Del Rey has dug herself constantly in a hole. Like, she went on this unnecessarily rant on Instagram. And I understand if you're, like, an artist, if you're in, like, Hollywood or whatever. I think there's no one in Hollywood who's, like, perfectly satisfied with Hollywood. There's no one in Hollywood that's gonna be like, yo, Hollywood is perfect. Acting is perfect. The industry is perfect. There's no weird people in the industry. Like, there's not gonna be anyone, I think, that would honestly say that. Like, if you met, like, Brad Pitt... And you're just chilling at Brad Pitt's house. Brad Pitt is probably going to tell you, like, who he doesn't like in the industry, who he does like in the industry, what's fucked up, what he's trying to fix, all that stuff, right? And Lana Del Rey, she she went, question for the culture, right? Question for the culture. And then she name-dropped artists, mostly black artists. Like, I think she said, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, she was like she talking about Megan the Stallion. She was talking about Kehlani, talking about Doja Cat, who we'll get into a little bit later. Talking about Ariana Grande, talking about Camila Cabello, right? A lot of these people who have you know sexually charged lyrics, right? And she was talking about how like why can they do it but I can't? Why are these people successful with these sexually charged lyrics, and then I get criticized for whatever I do? And that's a massive paraphrasing of what Lana Del Rey said. She said it on Instagram. And then people were like, yo, you're kind of singling out a lot of black people. I realize that Ariana Grande and Camila Cabello are not black. I understand that. But most of the people here that she's talking about were African-American slash black slash black. So when she talks about them, people are like, yo, this is kind of racially coded here, Lana Del Rey. This seems a little bit like you're mad at black people for having success. And when I imagine that Lana Del Rey sent that post thinking that everyone's going to be on their site, because you don't really send a post, a tweet, an Instagram, and expect the shit show to just shit on you, right? You don't ever expect that type of thing 
to happen. And Lana Del Rey got that to happen. And instead of saying, yo, my bad, like, this was wrong of me. Let me delete that post. Um, That's not what I meant. I didn't mean to say that way. It came off wrong. I was just trying to say blah, blah, blah. Lana Del Rey, from my understanding, sort of doubled down and is continuing to double down. I think just like yesterday or today or something. I'm recording this in two days. So like the first half is yesterday and then the second half is today. That's just a little bit of behind the scenes. Um, Hopefully the transition was seamless, but my voice was just fucked. So I had to I had to stop and then I had to to restart again. But hopefully you won't be able to tell when I restarted. That's the whole goal here. But anyway, yesterday, today, time doesn't exist anymore. She called out FKA Twigs and Lana Del Rey just keeps on doubling down on language that she can't stop being coded. Like you can't talk about black women for for one second here like if Lana Del Rey I assume she has like some type of album out and again I like the Lana Del Rey songs that pussy tastes like Pepsi Cola song that was my shit that heaven on a place that on earth with you that was my shit right that might be the same song I don't know and then there's um will you still love me when I'm no longer young and beautiful from Great Gatsby that is a fucking jam right I like some of the Lana Del Rey songs why do you have to ruin it for me right Everyone on Twitter is like saying Lana Del Rey coded language. This is veiled racism. Cancel Lana Del Rey. And I can't disagree, right? You said this on purpose. You did this on purpose. You posted that Instagram on purpose. You're using this coded language on purpose. And how can I defend Lana Del Rey at this point when you keep doubling down? It would be one thing if she recognized a mistake, right? And then sort of... Fell, fell back a little bit and, you know, sat there and ate her food, to use a common expression. But she didn't. She didn't eat her food. She's standing up and she's demanding more food instead of sitting there and eating what she already has. That's what's going on here. Lana Del Rey, like someone just needs to take the phone at this point, right? It's like someone like Donald Trump, like sometimes you just need to take the, the Trump phone. And I don't think Lana Del Rey has anyone in her life who is willing to take the phone away. I haven't followed this super closely because while I like some of the Lana Del Rey songs, I'm not like a huge Lana Del Rey fan. And again, that's no shade. Like I said, she has some jams. But I do think that like with this cancellation and like as we fall further into like the streaming economy of music, like you can listen to Lana Del Rey and no one will know right? I was thinking about this, like, and I think about it was what artists who get canceled all the time. It's different a little bit with actors in a way, but with a musician, if a musician gets canceled, like Sabrina Claudio, for an example, if you don't know who Sabrina Claudio is, just Google it. Sabrina, like the teenage witch, Claudio, like, um, Claudio, like Klaus, I guess. I don't know. Um, But Sabrina Claudio got canceled years ago and probably the most successful cancellation to date. But Sabrina Claudio is still out here making music. And if you want to listen to Sabrina Claudio's music and you're afraid that you can't express that because she's been canceled, you can just listen and mind your business and no one will know, right? You can mind your own Lana Del Rey business like Lana Del Rey should have minded her business. Listen to the Lana Del Rey songs and no one will know. And I think that's sort of like where cancel culture and real life culture are a disconnect, right? Like you can cancel Lana Del Rey on Twitter, but she can still get those streaming numbers up, right? Because the songs is still there and the songs are still good right? So people are still going to listen to the Lana Del Rey song. So I don't know how effective the Lana Del Rey cancellation is going to be, but a different beast of cancellation is Doja Cat. And Doja Cat, who Lana Del Rey mentioned, this is a more bizarre story than I think I've seen. Because if you're not familiar with Doja Cat, if you're not on Twitter or whatever, Doja Cat is a singer slash rapper um and she is biracial her father is from south africa a black south african and her mom i suppose is caucasian of some sort and doja cat was caught in chat rooms where there was like a lot of alt-right racist people 
and they are saying, you know, the racist things, like, you know, the N-word amongst other things. And then it was revealed that Doja Cat made a song called Didn't Do Nothing. And if you're not familiar with the phrase Didn't Do Nothing, good on you. Like, it's probably like a good sign of your character is if you don't know what didn't do nothing means, right? Because if you don't know what didn't do nothing means, that means that you can't use it. But didn't do nothing basically is a term used to mock black speech and also used to mock victims of police brutality, which makes it a really, really awful term that you shouldn't say, right? It's twofold. One is like the linguistic discrimination and then it's the police brutality part of it right so didn't do nothing is a horrible term and doja cat made a song all about saying didn't do nothing and this looks really really bad for doja cat right and doja cat we know is a troll if you're if you follow doja doja cat she has this sort of like 4chan reddit humor which is a lot of times prescribed to to white males but doja get has it and people are sort of like fine with it or they have been right like this is this type of 4chan internet chat room humor she had chat room humor but she's still in the chat rooms as a famous person that's what's really bizarre to me like i understand that people growing up have wandered into chat rooms especially if you feel like you know, in an awkward phase or you don't have many friends. Not saying Doja Cat didn't have many friends. I don't know her life, right? But, and Doja Cat is about my age. But if you're just like, you know, bored or you're lonely or anything like that, a lot of kids fall into chat rooms. And these chat rooms have the potential to change your life. They have the potential to radicalize you. Like, the chat rooms are very much still like a Wild West type of thing, right? I remember even there are TV shows, like episodes of like Smart Guy and That's So Raven and stuff, like warning against being in random chat rooms with random ass adults as a kid because that's not, you know, the best thing for you. I even remember I was watching Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which came out this year, 2020, and there is an episode where a kid gets caught up in a chat room and ends up meeting up with a really, really creepy older man right? So this is still like a problem. But I understand why people gravitate towards the chat room, right? I get that. But as a famous multimillionaire, you're still in the chat room, like a public chat room. And you're using like, identifiable information so that anyone who knows who Doja Cat is, and Doja Cat has really blown up in the past year, right? Anyone who knows who Doja Cat is knows that you're in the chat room, right? And she was in the chat room with, like, self-described incels and doing, like, sexual maneuvers, like, sort of strip teasing, showing feet, like, real wiki feet stuff, like, all of that in the, the incel chat room, which is strange because incels, by definition, are not attractive to women, right? If you're an incel, you are saying, you are admitting that women do not find you very attractive, right? You're also saying that you have a hard time, like, having sex. Like, you haven't had sex in a long time, right? And Doja Cat, whether this was an act of charity or if she likes it, she's doing these sexual things for the incels, right? That's weird. And then she issued an apology. She went on Instagram Live. She issued an apology saying that she tried to reclaim the term didn't do nothing for the song, right? And that's where I'm a little bit confused again because we can reclaim slurs, right? People reclaim slurs a lot. Like, as a black person myself, like, we reclaimed the N-word, right? But there are a lot of slurs for black people, which I will not say that have not been reclaimed, right? They are offensive whether a black person says it or not. And if I bust out one of these like civil rights era slurs, like even as a black person, people are gonna look at me crazy, right? Same thing with other races and ethnicities, right? There are terms that have been reclaimed by other ethnicities that again, I will not say because I like to be a good person and I don't wanna offend anybody, but there are terms for other races and ethnicities that have been reclaimed within those communities that are more commonly known. Like the more commonly known slurs tend to be the one that get reclaimed. The low key ones, the lesser known ones, those typically get tucked away somewhere and you have to be really, really either hateful or pissed off to use those words, right? Dindu is a little bit different, right? Because Dindu nothing, Dindu for short, 
is new at least to my knowledge like didn't do nothing came from the meme era of life so Dindu is a little bit different, but it's still not very well known. It's hard to reclaim a slur when that slur was invented like two days ago. You know what I mean? Right? So she, and I think this is why she didn't get caught because it's Dindu Nothing Song came out in like 2015, 16, right? And when that term was starting to gain some traction, again, in these alt right incel circles, right? She tried to reclaim it before it even had a chance to be reclaimed, right? So no one knows what this word is, or the vast majority don't know what this word is, and you're trying to reclaim it and putting out for the public. She said it was, you know, using it against the people who use it to hurt me. And sure, that's fine, um, if that's true. Like, if I give her the benefit of the doubt, that's true. But that's a poor attempt, right? And it's not going to work the way it happens because in context or without context, this looks really, really bad on Doja Cat. It looks like a self-hate type of thing, right? And she said that it was a misstep. She didn't want to do that. And of course, it's a misstep now because she got caught. But the fact that she didn't get caught right now, I think proves my point a little bit, that not enough people knew what that word was to call her out and be like, hey, what the hell is this? Also, she might not have been that famous at this point. I know Doja Cat has been around for a few years, but again, 2019 was a year of Doja Cat. Like Doja Cat, especially on TikTok, all that stuff, Doja Cat was soaring into the moon and now she's like sort of plummeting down back to earth a little bit right but when you reclaim a slur like the n-word like that's something that was so widespread that it's easier to reclaim that word right but these little you know lesser known slurs those are difficult to reclaim just because you know because they're lesser well-known, you have to be in a mood or particularly hateful to use it, right? And that type of hate doesn't go away just because you're a member of that group, right? So it's a little bit more difficult to reclaim these slurs. And I know the word didn't do nothing, right? I knew this word for a long time, like probably like 2016 or so, because I, and I have to preface this, I am not a Republican, I am not a Republican, I am not a Republican, I'm not right-wing at all. Okay, I have to preface this with this. I infiltrated a website called Gab.ai, and I believe it's called Gab.com now. Worst website I've ever been to. But Gab.ai was like a right wing, like safe haven, like a safe space for racism, Trump supporting people. Right. And I heard about it. I was like, I'm going to go. And if it's truly like a free speech platform, because that's what they were marketing themselves as, a free speech platform, if that's truly what it is, I shouldn't have any problems here. Spoiler alert, I had problems. And the a lot of people use this didn't do nothing term, and they use a lot of other slurs. There's like ma, M-U-H, that comes to mind. There was a slur against Indian people that... I just don't feel comfortable repeating right now. Um, but they use slurs against other people as well, right? But with didn't do nothing in particular, <clears throat> and my voice is starting to go again, I apologize. But with didn't do nothing in, in particular, because didn't do nothing, it's a, con- it's, a, it's a play on the words, I didn't do anything, right? Didn't do nothing, I didn't do anything, mocking black speech, right? But people use that term in a way, like, or they described that term, I should say, in a way that says it can be applied to anyone, right? Because a didn't do nothing comes from the phrase, I didn't do anything. And anyone who speaks English can say, I didn't do anything. So their whole game plan to make this term sort of acceptable to a wider audience is saying it can be applied to anyone. But if you look at who says it and how they say it, and if you use context clues that you learn in elementary school, you'll see that it's hella fucking racist and that it's really only used towards black people, right? So that's how I know the word. And then to see that word like out in the open by a black person trying to reclaim it. And if that's true, if Doja Cat is not lying, valiant effort, but a misplaced valiant effort. Because you just that's that's not a fight you can win at this point, right? If Dindu stays in like the dark corners of the internet, right? It's ultimately not that harmful, right? It's only, it's harmful to an extent, right? But if it's 
white people, white alt-right people saying it to other alt-right people. Yes, it's bad and it's offensive, but it's not the worst thing in the world. It becomes worse when it becomes more mainstream, which it did, I feel like. It got a little bit more mainstream, especially when, like, the people on Gab were running around more on Twitter. And Twitter, of course, is just a bigger hitter and a bigger platform, so it got more traction. And then that's where it got a little bit more of a problem. But when it's, like, in these corners and it's people talking amongst themselves, it doesn't do a whole lot. Because a lot of black people don't even know the term, right? So that term doesn't affect them. But once you see what it is and you see when it's used against you and you learn that term, then it's like, okay, we have to we have to throw hands now. Or throw the proverbial internet hands because I've never heard anyone say didn't do nothing in a real real life situation right but when Doji Cat did that I was like you really tried this you tried to call yourself a didn't do nothing that's not gonna work it's not gonna work in 2015 it's not gonna work in 2020 it probably will never work if I would to be you know assuming things I would say it would never work right but now Doja Cat, again, similar to Lana Del Rey, like I like the Doja Cat songs. I wouldn't say I'm a fan or a stan. I'm not a stan of anyone. I don't think stan culture is healthy in any way. It's particularly internet stan culture. I don't think that's good. But when it comes to this, like I like some of the Doja Cat songs, like Say So, Like That, The Cow Song. Like I like some of the Doja Cat songs. And if you're on TikTok, you can't escape Doja Cat. Doja Cat is everywhere. of TikTok up until a few days ago was hot girls dancing to Doja Cat. So Doja Cat's like sort of meteoric rise to fame might be fizzling out. And again, it's hard to defend Doja Cat. I know she apologized and she apologized in a way that's different than Lana Del Rey. Like Lana Del Rey is just like coming and coming and coming and coming with more shit that just putting her deeper into the toilet. Doja Cat is trying to, like, clear her name, but ultimately, I don't know how people are going to take that because people don't really like celebrity apologies to begin with. Although, one recent example of Adam Ray OK, which I talked about a few weeks ago, he seemed to get off scot-free, but also I haven't seen much of Adam Ray OK recently, so maybe he didn't. But um, when celebrities' apologies, like, no one is ever satisfied. They'd be like, this is not a real apology, fuck you, fuck you, I hate you, I'm deleting all your music off my phone, blah, 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 right? That's usually what happens, and then you have to lay low. But I don't think Doja Cat will be fully canceled just because the TikTok trends are still gonna come, she's still gonna make more music, and I think people will either forget or forgive eventually, and I think people will forget Lana Del Rey too eventually. It might not, I think Lana Del Rey will have some ways to go, but I think people will forget, not necessarily forgive right? Doja Cat is younger than Lana Del Rey. She's about my age, about 25, which is enough to know better, right? You can't use like, they were a kid excuse because you did this when you were an adult. 2015, I was in 2015, a junior in college. So I was an adult, right? I was responsible for the shit I was doing. So Doja Cat doesn't have the kid defense per se, but I do see people forgiving her in the future. But I don't know how many people are going to treat her the same. I feel like a lot of people are going to look at Doja Cat funny, like, do you really like black people? Like, you collab with black people, black people fuck with this music, you are black. But do you really like black people? Like, I think that's going to be a question that people have for a long amount of time, right? You are black, but do you like other black people? I think that's a legitimate question. You're in the racial chat rooms, you're in the alt-right circles, even if you're not alt-right yourself, like, you're still tolerating, like, these alt-right people. And again, I don't know the full story. I guess only the people in the chat rooms know the full story. But if you're, if that's what you believe, if you believe Doja Cat was in the alt-right chat rooms and letting people call her the N-word and stuff and talking down on black people and, like, enjoying it, if that's what you believe, then you have to look at her funny for, like, uh, at least the rest of 2020, I would say, right? So I don't know what's going to happen to Doja Cat, but I feel like it's going to be like a forgive, but with like a side eye. I think people are going to side eye Doja Cat for a long time, which is a shame. Like she's so young and so successful. Like I realize now as a 25 year old, like, like all the celebrities or like the good amount of the celebrities that are coming up are younger than me or my age. And it's like, oh, 
my life is just normal and all these other people are doing such great things and I'm rooting for them but it's like oh cool right it's a little bit of a weird feeling and I'll get over that eventually I'll I'll once I turn 26 I'll be over that probably but like it sucks that like you're so young and then you come tumbling down the way Doja Cat did but at the end of the day like you did it on purpose you you did it on purpose that's what you know Sophia from Call Her Daddy did Lana Del Rey, Doja Cat, you did the things on purpose, right? Even if you regret them, you did it on 100% purpose. So it's hard to hard to be that sympathetic. But we'll see. It sucks, but we'll see. And this whole thing is an hour long now, so good on me. I've been doing shorter ones during the pandemic, but this is technically two recordings smashed together, so it's a little bit longer. But I want to end on this note. If you have a Twitter account, I strongly encourage you to turn off autoplay media. It's helped my life a whole bunch, whether it's from disturbing videos or pornographic videos or just things you don't want to see. It can also be fun. Every little picture is like a little surprise. I strongly encourage you, if you're having a little bit of trouble with all these videos that are going around on the internet, I strongly encourage you to turn those media previews autoplay off, okay? I do it. There's no shame in your game. It makes Twitter, I think, like, actually a little bit more fun, but I strongly encourage that. And with that, um, please be safe. I love and appreciate you. Thanks for watching, listening, paying attention. I will see you next week.